Hi, this is James Devine, and I am an educator who has come out of the trenches. Listen in as my friend and colleague Dana Goodyear shares stories and tips from other educators who have come out of the trenches. Welcome to the Out of the Trenches podcast. This is Dana Goodyear. Thanks for listening. My next guest is Dr. Efrian Martinez. He is a father, a husband, a K-5 principal, and a podcaster. As a wisdom seeker, he has found productivity to be a great tool for success in life. On his podcast, Wisdom and Productivity, he reflects on life and interviews luminary figures on what makes them be who they are. His one word is improvement, and he tries every day to make the world better. Welcome to the podcast, Efrian. I am it's always a pleasure to learn from you visiting my podcast, and I'm so glad to be here with you. Well, it's great to uh, be able to connect with you and talk about um, some of the wisdom that I've learned through the years, and I'd like to hear um, your story now. Um, so tell me about a time or several times that you were in the trenches and managed to call out. Well, uh, that is definitely uh, what the profession of education is. There's so many... Um, times where you feel that uh, you're in that spot where you think everything culminates, everything ends. Uh, my story with leadership is that when I started as a, as a principal, you know, you go and you go to grad school and you prepare a entry plan and your professor says, that's awesome. And you get an A and then you go to an interview and you talk about this entry plan. Everybody says, oh, bravo, we like it. You are hired. And then you begin. And I didn't know that uh, I should have uh, seek the advice of mentors or people that could lead me and to think on things. I just went straight at it. Yeah. This is my plan. This is how we're going to do it. And Dana, I, I had such a bad time because... Uh, the teachers, uh, the parents, the students, everybody was like, who's this guy telling us what to do and and just giving us orders. And, and the conclusion I had with time is that I was not thinking about how my message was landing in the people I was trying to lead. Yeah. I was just saying things and I was not thinking at all that I was coming across as passive aggressive or actively aggressive. I was not thinking that, you know, I'm making this person feel like an idiot. I'm telling them no. Yeah. And when you tell someone no, right, automatically they are going to, to defend themselves because they're going to feel attacked. And um, it was such a, a convoluted time. Even in the school building, yet the work was still there. And I was neglecting myself, my health, and my family. Mm -hmm. So all of these things got together. And uh, the the final punch in the gut was uh, one day I'm driving to work. And I, I see a car um, that is on fire. And uh, outside of the car, there's a, 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 it's a, it's a landscaper uh, car truck that has mm -hmm. a, a lot of tools in the back. And outside of the place in the back, a guy comes out, extending his hands and yelling, and half of his body is on fire. Wow. So the type of person I am, I just get out of the car. And the first thing I think is, like, I might never see my children again. 
Mm-hmm. So I helped this guy, and at the end, this guy helped ended up helping me because uh, I had a, a nervous breakdown uh, after after I was able to support this guy. Um, I just decided to take a leave of absence. Mm-hmm. So when I took a leave of absence, Dana, the best thing I did was this. I took a, a plastic plate and I wrote the names of everyone in my life that had hurt me. Okay. The main one was my mother in the middle. And then in behind the plate, I wrote the names of everyone that I had hurt or mm-hmm. failed in my life. And through mindful meditation and other exercises, I was able to visit those moments and realize that those tragic events in the past, for the most part, were things that were out of my control. Mm-hmm. Things that were living in my, in my head, but they were, were real. I was able to... to, to I just remember that fire as the opening of that door of saying, hey, you don't have to live a life thinking of the past, but you can live a life thinking of your life and how you are the author of your own story. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. when I decided I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to do a doctorate. And I'm going to research whatever I need to research to save my career as a principal because I always wanted to be a principal, but mm-hmm. I was feeling terribly and uh, uh, in the first class I happened to have a professor who quoted this emotional intelligence is the sine qua non of leadership mm-hmm. Dana like a Jerry Maguire moment he got me a sine qua non I was like this is what I'm going to research on I'm going to mm-hmm. research how the best principles address emotional intelligence with themselves and others. Mm-hmm. So as part of my research, I went and shadowed four successful principles. People that are kicking butt, and they are like awesome. They have awesome results. People adore them. And you're like wondering how the heck they do this. Mm-hmm. So I contacted them. Some of them ignore me, but some of them embrace me. And they told me, come see me. So that's when I saw the magic. I saw how they talk to people, how they look at them, how they position their body to fo- to demonstrate that they were interested, how they show empathy. Mm-hmm. Like, and behind the scenes, they will tell me what was really, how was really, what was really happening how they were differentiating the way they address to different people based on needs, you know, how like you have to know that not every teacher is Michael Jordan. You have your mm-hmm. Michael Jordan, you have your Scotty Pippen, you have your Dennis Rodman. Yeah. Everybody is good at something and you have to get at that level to help them become the best version of themselves. And just like that, in a period of four years, I went from the most hated principle to the principal of the year uh, by the Illinois Principals Association. Um, so it was an awesome journey and I'm still learning how to improve and be better. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was definitely that time that I was on the trenches that I thought it was the end. 
but at the reality, it was the beginning. Yeah, I mean, that's so interesting to hear how just, um, was that just recently after you started, after your first year, or was that several years in? That you the had second this... year. Okay. That happened the second year. Yeah, just realizing after that nervous breakdown, after you took time to reflect that, you know, you needed to step back and see, like, how are you addressing your staff, right? And I see that happen um, sometimes with newer principals. It's really, um, you know, like, there are certain people you can address a certain way or, you know. Um, I, 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 I've seen where staff feel like sometimes they're being treated like a child because, you know, just the way they're being talked to or not recognized for their worth or something like that. And that could be, you know, the traits, like you said, of um, a newbie principal who doesn't have the emotional intelligence, but, you know, you took it upon yourself. So uh, just getting a doctorate, but also learning so much <laughs> along the way, right? <laughs> Uh, it was a, it was such a as I was researching these things and you know my dissertation is just you know a, a poor piece of writing I call it but the the, <laughs> the lessons learned uh -huh. like like oh my goodness like I would have never crossed my mind uh, and uh, briefly I can tell you right like these five stages is like. Number one is your self-awareness, you know, being aware of what is really going on with, with yourself. We are so mm -hmm. good at judging others and sometimes we ignore ourselves. Number two is self-regulation. So mm -hmm. now that you know who you are, what is going on, what is really bothering you, what do you do to address these things? Number three, motivation. Mm -hmm. We are so good principals at getting all us motivated. Let's go, let's do it. But then to ourselves, we're awful. So how do you yeah. motivate yourself to get there? Number four, and this is priority for all principals and leaders, empathy. Mm -hmm. Like how do you really uh, address uh, staff in an empathetic way, in a way that, that you know how they are feeling so you can adjust and modify to support them in the best way? And finally, social skills, you know, that art of, of dealing with people and difficult people and and how to tell someone they did something wrong without making them feel unsafe or uncomfortable mm -hmm. all those things are things that are so necessary in order to to lead uh, um, a school that is in good mood and a good way that they want to do things efficiently mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that way you keep your staff as well right? you re yeah. reduce the amount of turnover and, uh, you know, the happier the staff are, the happier the students are. <laughs> Amen. Yes. And then the learning, everything that can happen, you know, when someone feels mm -hmm. a sense of, this is Dale Carnegie, like a sense of importance, mm -hmm. you know, that value, that there's something good that they can do better than anyone. And you can recognize that and doing it sincerely, right? You cannot mm -hmm. be a hypocrite because... People can see through your through your bluff. Mm -hmm. You know, you really, truly have to care about people, and that's how you get the best results. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you talked to me now um, in the trend story about your work since you started as a principal. But tell me a little bit about how um, you worked your way through education. Um, you said you've worked in hospitals. You've worked as an office manager as well, um, but Definitely. you've also done other jobs, kind of in education. Um, and a, a job very similar to mine um, as a world language teacher. So you were a Spanish teacher. So, so, so this is how the story is. So I go to school 
uh, and I want to be a writer. Mm-hmm. I am, uh, I am in love with the idea of being this best-selling author mm-hmm. who writes novels and spends all this time writing, maybe teaching uh, in the university on the side. Um, but with time, you know, um, you can be in love with an idea, mm-hmm. but if you do the work, the idea doesn't value it. That has no value. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I realized that, that I just don't have the discipline yeah. to be someone who writes on every day. That's not good or bad. It's just a, a, a self-awareness. Uh, so I finished grad school. I failed a master's exam, um, which eventually I took and passed. And I break with academia and I say, mm-hmm. I'm going to do whatever. And I find myself unemployed. Mm-hmm. And the first gig I'm able to find is in a university hospital as a okay. database coordinator, office manager, et cetera, et cetera. And I hated these jobs, Dana, like with passion. <laughs> but this, in anything that we do, there's something always that is going, you're going to learn mm-hmm. and it's going to help you go for the next step. So while I was serving sandwiches and coffee for medical doctors during their professional development events, mm-hmm. as I was in the corner eating a sandwich and get, stealing the cookies, I will see with my own eyes, with the esteemed respect on how they treated each other during their learning, mm-hmm. how they had like, like debates conversations about what was being learned. And I didn't know what exactly, I didn't understand what they were uh, learning, but you can see how they love learning. Mm -hmm. And I brought that with me to the education field, addressing people by the last names and not by the first names, ensuring that we're in a profession of professional learning, of continuous improvement from me to the teacher, from the teacher to me. Like, it's like a mutual thing. Treating teachers like professionals and mm-hmm. not just like someone who's getting your instructions. Yeah. And uh, I took that with me to the education field. Uh, after three years, I decided, you know what? I cannot do this anymore. I don't want to do this. Uh, what did I enjoy more in life? Uh, I enjoy uh, being a, a teacher in grad school. While I was mm-hmm. getting my master's, uh, I had to teach uh, Spanish for first and second year students. Mm-hmm. And I had a great time. I had a, a, a talent to teaching a language mm-hmm. and I decided to become a Spanish teacher. I connected that when I was growing up, my Spanish teacher was also like the 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 mentor for the oratory club, which I okay. belonged to. And then, oh, what a passion was to imitate great figures and mm-hmm. giving speech. There was a Puerto Rican uh, figure called Pedro Albizu Campos, who at some point uh, was a Harvard Law School grad and valedictorian and all that kind of stuff. And he became eventually a political prisoner, but mm-hmm. he would give this speech. So it was not about agreeing or disagreeing about the opinion, it's just that they became these important figures and I had to give this speech and very ferocious speeches and you <laughs> were like growing up and you're finding your voice and you learn these big words that he was saying and 
and the coach will say, no, no, you have to do it this way. You have to raise your voice. You have to put your fist like that and use mm -hmm. your hands because the hands give all this power on what you're trying to say. And those things form me. And I brought those with me as a Spanish teacher. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that was my story before I became an administrator. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think just seeing that passion, like how you emulated that teacher of yours, right? And how, you know, you wanted people to use the language, like, you know, especially if they're up, upper level or if they're heritage speakers to, you know, use it for debate, use it for public speaking, be able to, um, you know, use that for a an option out in the community rather than just something sitting and learning in the classroom. And when I taught French, that was something I would I would think of when kids were learning. How can they use that in a in a, sure. in a way that's not just sitting learning grammar rules, right? So. Amen. Oh my god, that was the part. <laughs> the the grammar because the the kids will see as like, oh, I have to do this, but when they had to use it. I remember they had to do like a supermarket project, mm -hmm. you know, they had yeah. to sell their products and you know, something productive. So that's the way I find a lot of meaning in the teaching of language. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I introduced you as being the host of Wisdom and Productivity podcast. So talk to me about when you started this podcast and um, kind of what is the evolution of um, how it's become what it is today? So Wisdom and Productivity um, was born out of the, the idea of like, wow, how much I have learned from shadowing four successful principles, Yeah. right? Obviously I cannot be shadowing principles all day long because any district will not allow them. But what if I do a show, a podcast show, mm -hmm. where I get to interview successful people like you, Dana, and ask you, about the side B of the LP of your life. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? So we all see this persona that is the leader, is the podcast uh, host, is the politician or the activist or the accountant, whatever. But often we don't see the real person. We don't mm -hmm. see what is behind the scenes with the curtains closed. So I divided my questions between wisdom questions and productivity questions. Wisdom, like who do you learn from? Who are your mentors? Who are your influences? What do you read? And how do you address imposter syndrome? And then the productivity, because one goes with the other. You can be a genius, but if you don't get organized with your ideas or schedule things or, or plan things effectively, then you become someone who cannot really excel in their wisdom because you don't have the productivity side organized. So I was in a, in a group of professional development. Again, I'm such a nerd. I'm always trying to get into as many opportunities for learning. And uh, uh, Adam Welcome, who is another very successful uh, uh, educational entrepreneur, I will say, uh, he's uh, talking about, so what you guys want to talk about? And I raised my Zoom hand. This is in COVID era. Mm -hmm. And I said, listen, I have this idea. And I don't know uh, if I should do it. Like, I was afraid. Like, who's going to listen to me, et cetera, et cetera. And he's like, you should start a podcast. You know? Mm -hmm. So, like, <laughs> I feel like he gave me permission. 
So the next day I wrote a blog about it and then I realized, you know what, Efrain, a writer is not you. And it's not that it's a failure of a dream. It's that when you learn, when you started thinking that you wanted to be a writer, it's that you wanted to express your art, but the podcasting art didn't exist by then. It's mm -hmm. a new type of art. And yes. podcasting is like a modern poetry slash short story slash mm -hmm. essay, right? It's slash even graffiti because you're mm -hmm. like doing all these things. Sometimes <laughs> it's planned. Sometimes it's like out there. So like I am showing my, my artistic vocation through this podcasting mean that when I this feeling originally did not exist. Mm -hmm. So it has become a passion. Uh, it started like, okay, I'm going to start doing these stories about what I'm learning, what I'm uh, thinking. So, for example, um, how we can emulate the empathy of Abraham Lincoln. How principals can do that. The next, the next one that is coming this weekend is how can school principals, what can school principals learn from the culture of customer service in Chick-fil-A. Hmm. So if you have been in Chick-fil-A, you go there and people make you feel like a million bucks. So I'm so curious about how the people there get trained. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because it's not like people are naturally awesome at customer service. You get trained at that, right? So on the limited things I have been able to find, I have been finding a couple of gems on Like, how can school principals and schools emulate this customer service so our students feel like, oh, wow, I feel, I feel awesome. I want to learn. The parents feel like, oh, you told me no, but that's okay. You're so nice. Thank you, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, how you can take all these lessons and take them to a real life and in, literally I apply them as I learn them. So, it's, for me, it's like the best professional development ever. Mm -hmm. Also interviewing people that are more successful or wiser than me that can share their things. And I have learned so many lessons that I can share with you. And the, the, the new part that is new is this. Uh, people who are going to publish a book, mm -hmm. they contact me and they say, hey, I want to be in your podcast. Or I say, hey, I want you to be in my podcast. Give me the book. Mm -hmm. I will read it. And I will interview you about your book. So who doesn't want their book to be read if they have written it, right? Sure. So recently I interviewed Nancy Gutierrez, who wrote a book about uh, uh, like people don't have to leave their neighborhood in order to be successful. Uh, I interview uh, Danny Bauer, that I know is one of your uh, mentors, uh, about his book on an entry plan and that was so timely because I was about to start a new school as a principal. So it was like a triple whammy because I was able to learn from him, read his book before anybody read it. And I have applied so many things that I learned from that book into beginning a new position. Yeah. So it has been uh, such a wonderful experience. Um, I know that for some people, They might this podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode.
that for me is the price. If one day I make any money mm -hmm. or, or it takes to another place, fantastic. So let's talk about um, your definition of positive school improvement. Um, so this is the third school you've been a principal at, correct? And yes. Yes. So when you're looking at um, the unified improvement plan for your current school or other schools you've worked at, um, how do you approach that school improvement process? Well, um, it has gone through several stages, right? I have not always been successful as a school principal. When I began, my first two years were uh, uphill. It was uh, awful. Uh, it became better for the stuff that I that I shared, uh, the school and me. We want all the prices available. Then uh, for my second school, I received a call and the superintendent said, I want you to come and do your art here. Mm -hmm. So I was uh, ecstatic. I have never been recruited before. Uh, they offer more money. It was a brand new building. And I was like, awesome. Now, once again, uh, the lesson learned was that you must consult mentors, people mm -hmm. who know more than you, no matter how much you know. Mm -hmm. so I thought, hey, you know, I have learned so much. I have consulted with so many people. I have written a dissertation. I know how to be a principal. This is what I didn't know. That and the reason why perhaps is going way better in my third school. In, in Chicago, in an urban district, mm -hmm. the school principals have sole authority of pretty much 98% of curriculum, hiring, mm -hmm. firing, operations, uh, special education, chart, um, um, uh, everything. The principal is the authority. Mm -hmm. You have a, a budget, in my case, of $6 million. You can change, redefine positions when you need something. There's all these freedoms. What I didn't know is that in the suburban district, the principal has the authority of, of about 70 to 75% okay. of the building. You do not control budget. You do not control HR. You don't control hiring or firing. You don't control school improvement plan. Hmm. You don't control many things. So when I went into the new district, the first thing I do is like, we don't have a school improvement plan. What the heck? Let's do one. And I started working and I started receiving calls from the district office saying, why are you stepping on my toes? Okay. So uh, I had difficulty understanding why are people putting all these stuff? If I'm the principal, I need to hire someone. No, someone else does it. Mm. Oh, I want the assessment to be. No, somebody else handles that. I want the meeting to be like this or the curriculum used like that. No, you have to talk to somebody else mm. to address it. So it took me a whole year to really understand how the system works 
And that was a big reason why the second turn as a principal didn't go as well, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, the school improved the scores. I was the eighth principal in 12 years. So a lot of like turnover, yeah. right? I, I should have investigated all those things, but I just thought new building, being uh, uh, recruited, you, you feel so important that I didn't even think about those things. Yeah. Now in this third round, I have investigated uh, the story of the school, how many principals. I know how the system works. Mm -hmm. Now I know that I cannot control so many things, so I don't lose my sleep for those things because I know they're out of my control. Mm -hmm. Without focusing on the teacher, because teaching on the students. So uh, I'm having a great time this third time. And certainly mm -hmm. uh, the lesson is that sometimes you can climb a mountain and get to the mountain, but in to climb mountain I stick to end that you're always going to be in the process of continuous improvement in the process of correcting your flaws and trying to make them into goals so um, this third time I, I told my family right this third time I had to my successes as a school principal during my first year gave me this perception that if I was successful in one place, I was going to be successful anywhere. So instead of me consulting with people, hey, is there any differences between being a principal in the city and being a principal in the suburbs? I just assume everything was similar. Mm -hmm. And to give you an idea, being a principal in the city meant that I was in control about 98% of everything from hiring to firing, from disciplined teachers, from field trips, uh, student services, special education, IEPs, everything was under my purview. And those are powers that you don't realize you have until mm -hmm. you lose them. So when I came into the new district, I realized that nobody's doing a school improvement plan. And I'm like, hey, we, I have been the eight out of 12 principals. I mean, the eight principal in 12 years. No wonder so many people have failed. You mm -hmm. don't have a school improvement plan. We don't know where we are going. And everybody was looking at me like I was a crazy person. So I start doing this and I get a call from district office that says, hey, why are you stepping on my toes? Mm -hmm. That's my job. Why are you doing my job? And I, I couldn't understand when I wanted to suspend a student because the student did something absolutely outrageous. Yeah. It said, you cannot suspend a student. You had to ask me for permission, right? When I needed to discipline a teacher because they did something mm -hmm. that they shouldn't do. They say, hey, you cannot discipline a teacher. You had to ask me. So I had such a hard time and I blame me. I'm not informing myself on the differences between being in one setting than in the other. So now in my third district as a principal, that is also a suburban district, mm -hmm. now I know that there are so many things out of my control 
that I'm not going to lose sleep or energy because I know somebody else is going to tell me this is what you're going to do. And mm -hmm. my job is to address that 70% of control that I have and keep it in a way that is positive and nurturing, keep the teachers happy. And, and keeping the teachers happy is not like... Uh, like, oh, let's bring balloons and donuts every day. <laughs> it's about uh, the daily behavior of bringing motivation and positivity to meetings, embracing people, meeting people where they're at. Like people come with different levels of talents, not assuming that if the if not everybody, if not everybody's gonna be the best teacher, yeah. right? You're gonna have a plus teacher and you have the a minus teacher and you had the B minus. So if someone is B yeah. minus, you're gonna support them to be B plus. You cannot go, you're B minus, you had to be A plus, you're mm -hmm. awful. Because mm -hmm. then you lose the faculty because that faculty then goes, gets together and they say, look how mean is this person, right? This yeah. person is attacking my character. Mm -hmm. But when you go with the when we learn together, we are better. The better teacher in the building is when we are all working together. Yeah. When you stay on the silence and say, you know what? You are an expert. You are the teacher. You know better. I'm just in the sidelines. Mm -hmm. I'm observing maybe the blind spots. Yeah. I am phrasing my coaching in terms of questions. So you come up with the solutions. And teachers are the harshest critiques, mm -hmm. right? So when you get to that level of, of companionship with your teachers, uh, I am betting on that. And I know that is going to be uh, the formula of success. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think those are where the best principles come from. Like they, there's somebody that the uh, teachers can rely on to go to when they have issues. And it's not like um, in a toxic culture where you know, the teachers are kind of ganging up against the principles, so. No, yeah. And that has happened to me. I, was, mm -hmm. I experienced that uh, my first year, mm -hmm. uh, my second year, I experienced that in my in my second uh, principalship. I was there two years. In that first year, there was a lot of uh, uh, animosity. Who's this guy telling yeah. us to do all this stuff? Because I was telling people to do things that, no other principal was ever asking people. And it's because oh. I did not read the instruction manual mm -hmm. of that mm -hmm. district. So like Pablo Picasso says, learn the art, learn the policy so then you can break it like an yeah. artist. Yeah, no, that's a good quote. Um, so we talked about your podcast and um, how some of the guests have inspired your work through their wisdom and productivity. Um, in the pre-chat, we talked about a presentation you did in the early summer um, where you talked um, at the university level about favorite co quotes from podcast interviews. Tell me a little bit about kind of uh, what you showed in that presentation and how that's um, led to your success in life um, as a principal and, you know, continued um, to fill your cup as a podcaster. Yes, uh, you know there there's so many experiences where where the person I'm interviewing they say mm -hmm. something that really marks me for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. So let me share you a couple of them. Um, one of the the best advice is embrace criticism, mm -hmm. and 
you know, when you are good at what you do, or you think you are, yeah, and anybody goes and points at you at your flaws, you get defensive. You're like, who are you to tell me? And yet, when someone is criticizing you, regardless if it is a good or bad intention, what they're telling you is an observation of something they see. Mm -hmm. Might be true, might be not, might be an exaggeration, but you must embrace it and always consider it that that person might be right. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is something that I need to take uh, pay attention. So that really, like, um, uh, that was, I was really touched when the person said that. Uh, that was Mike Lewerfeld, who was my boss in, in that second uh, principalship. Uh, another quote was by a professor in, in the University of Illinois at Chicago of African-American studies. And he was talking about equity. And as you mm -hmm. know, um, this country is going through this uh, uh, equity, wokeness, and, uh, and uh, uh, such and such life matters. And there's all these disparities, right? And book banning and all that stuff. And he said, Efraín, since when the truth became a threat? And I was like, boom, like what a reality that we are trying to eliminate the history mm -hmm. because somehow we think that that's how we're going to progress when it's yeah. the opposite. When we face what has happened, like, we are reflecting right now on my principalship. When we face the reality and we say, yeah. you know what, this was not really good, then we are less likely to make the same the same mistake. Mm -hmm. So that was very touching. Another one is uh, when I interviewed my sister, she said, uh, I quoted Picasso wrong. wrong. He said, uh, learn the rules of art so you can break them like an artist. Mm -hmm. And they quote my sister said, Learn the policy so that you can break it, mm -hmm. right? And it doesn't mean that you're going to do something illegal. It's just that when you are a school principal, you work in any organization, there's a policy that you must not ignore. Mm -hmm. Because once you know exactly what the policy says, you can go around it yeah. and you can really play the game effectively. But when you don't, then the policy goes against you. Mm -hmm. Right, so that's the other part that made me think, whoa, you know what? I should not ignore those hundreds of uh, pages of policy. I should read them. I should underline them. I should study. I should revisit them. I should, when there's an issue, like for example, just today, I was told a kid should not wear a hat in school. Mm -hmm. Why you don't think, oh, it's a distraction in the class. So, so the first thing I say, okay, what does the policy says? And the teacher said, I don't know. I said, okay, let's check together. So yeah. we went online, we saw the policy. There's no mention of the hat. Mm -hmm. So if we say to this kid, don't wear the hat, and tomorrow the parent came, hey, the handbook doesn't say anything about, the policy doesn't say anything about hats, then the parent wins. We look like fools, and that mm -hmm. student hates us forever because we took away the hat that might mean the world to them because, I don't know, mm -hmm. the grandma gave it to them. So that influenced me a, a, a lot. And in terms of productivity, the best quote was, mm -hmm. productivity is your relationship with time. Mm 
Mm -hmm. I was like, whoa, I wish I had known this before because there was a time when I would leave the building almost at midnight, mm -hmm. arrive before the sun rise, and I didn't know how to address everything I had to do. I was always... Um, uh, on on the ball, going, 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 going. I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to do that. And with carpooling, the the one who told me that I learned uh, how to use a task manager, mm -hmm. how to my day, how to create a blueprint for the week and where I'm going to be in each day. So I spend less bandwidth in the process of thinking what I need to do, mm -hmm. and I just apply it when it's needed because. Like um, uh, uh, David Allen says, the brain is great to generate ideas, mm -hmm. but terrible at keeping them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I appreciate you uh, providing those quotes and uh, talking a little bit about who shared those on the podcast. Um, as we wrap up our conversation today, um, what's one thing you'd like listeners to remember? I think uh, I would love the listeners to remember that uh, life is a journey. Life, uh, we are always so um, interested in what other people are gonna think, mm -hmm. uh, what people are gonna, uh, how people are gonna react, how people, 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 and and we are designed like that. We go to school and we want to dress alike like everybody, and we want to have our hair alike like somebody else. And then in their deathbed, none of those people are going to be around you, mm -hmm. right? Only very few, if any, are going to be around you. So you have to center your life on, on like, this is Mark Manson. How many Fs you are going to give mm -hmm. in life? Instead of giving an F on so many things. There's this yeah. book, The Simple Art of Not Giving an F. Mm -hmm. Like when you start living your life only caring about a certain amount of things mm -hmm. and just letting other things go and just live the life that that you want to live you realize that wow i am the author like uh, Brené brown says i am the i am driving shotgun mm -hmm. i am the author of this story and i can decide to take this turn or this mm -hmm. turn mm -hmm. right I can decide if something is going to bother me or yeah. if this is something I'm going to let go. Yeah. And uh, when you take control of your life, then you start getting the results that you want and the happiness that you that you always wanted. Mm -hmm. I leave you with this. I thought all my life um, that I wanted to write a book of my life on how mm -hmm. I exited the 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 center of that volcano of of tragedy and made it into a beautiful life and i discovered that with age and time that it's not about the book that i wanted mm -hmm. to write but about the life i wanted to live mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. that book is the life i am living and every day i try to improve it at least one percent better yeah, I think that's great to hear. And I, I like how you uh, take it back to that book. I've read that book as well. And um, yeah, you decide what's going to bother you. You decide what, um, you know, you're really going to take um, 
and and care about right like, like you said in your deathbed those people aren't going to be there <laughs> um yeah. where can people connect with you and find you online so the website is wisdomandproductivity.com and there's a series of links where you can find all the episodes of my podcast the audio ones the video ones uh and uh if you like it share it like it with other people and um there's an episode every week great great well i'll make sure i put those all in the show notes thank you so much for being my guest on the out of the trenches podcast today an honor thank you dana my book out of the trenches stories of resilient educators has now been published you can access it through amazon you can buy it at the Road to Awesome website, or you can get it through my website at danagoodier.com. Please re leave a review, and you can also access it on Kindle. Check out the show notes on danagoodier.com to learn more about this guest and links to their social media. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you download this podcast. Tell your friends and colleagues about it. And if this episode resonates, especially with you, be sure to share it out on social media and tag me at Out of Trenches PC. Mm -hmm.